What's up, everyone? It's another episode of Drawn Talk. It's your boy, Tyler, and we have a special guest today, a super special, special guest. Uh, we have Brian Edward Hill. He's a comic book writer as well as a TV writer, screenplay, and he does a whole bunch of other things. Um, he's he's really the whole package. Uh, he's going to be taking over Detective Comics at uh, number 983 for a highly anticipated five-issue run, I might say, with Miguel Mendonca. And, uh, yeah, we're so grateful to have Brian on the show. Brian, thanks for being on. Thanks for having me on, Tyler. Um, so, uh, th- <laughs> thanks for, uh, thanks for uh, making time for me today. I'm sorry about that hiccup. I had a feeling about it when I saw it on Twitter. See, Tyler's being very kind. What, what happened was, <laughs> because I can oftentimes be an idiot, I double-booked podcasts for the same hour, and Tyler was very gracious to let me uh, reschedule this for a little bit later so i can be with you all here tonight oh no you're you're all good i was just i was just drawing i was just drawing my graphic novel so everyone who listens oh, to just, this... i was just drawing my graphic yeah. novel you know, <laughs> you know it's a tuesday you know. <laughs> everyone who listens to this is just like tired they're like finally a real like uh, an awesome guest we don't have to hear about tyler talking about his graphic novel um but um, so, but with comic books, I really want. So you you do a lot of TV writing as well, right? You're I, I read that you recently, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been a fairly recent development um, for my career. You know, I um, I I've been a screenwriter for a long time, a mm-hmm. uh, long while, and I've been working in comics kind of off and on for about ten years, and then pretty steadily for the past three or four. Uh, I finished up a season of Ash vs. Evil Dead, the last, the final season, uh, apparently. So I, I killed Ash vs. Evil Dead. It's all my fault. <laughs> so, so I did that. And then I jumped on to Titans, uh, the show on the new DC streaming platform. So that's what I'm currently working on. Super pumped for that, by the way. Oh, awesome. Great. Uh, it's, uh, it's fun. You know, I get to work with Jeff Johns and Akiva Goldsman and the showrunner Greg Walker, and it's just a great group of people. So what got you then into comic books specifically? Like, how did you get yourself in that, in that business? Well, I mean, like everybody, I mean, I grew up reading them and, and really, really digging them. You know, I, uh, uh, I loved Batman growing up. That was my favorite comic book character. I, I think... When you're a young man and you're trying to figure yourself figure yourself out, or a young woman, you know, too, I don't want to be, you know, gender exclusive here. Batman's one of those characters because he's a human being that struggles with things and overcomes things. He's one of those characters whose life strategy you can apply to your own life a lot. You know, it's it just makes sense. It's like you're dealing with adversity or you're dealing with fear, doubt. Uh, you're worried about, you know, mental inequity, physical inequity, what have you. Batman's always going through that stuff all the time. So you'll read a Batman story and it'll help you figure out what you're going to do in school the next day. And, and so, like everybody, I just, just love those books, love those stories. And I was reading at the time when the British invasion was happening, you know, uh, uh, I guess the European invasion of of DC Comics in a lot of ways because mm-hmm. there was, you know, Arkham Asylum, Grant Morrison's work, and then like I guess the non Brit stuff, Frank Miller's work, you know, uh, Alan Moore had done some work. So the stories were getting more complex and interesting as I was getting more, I guess, older. You know, as I was, mm-hmm. I was, I was needing more from fiction, but the comics were evolving at the same time. So I stayed uh, with the medium. But I didn't 
know how to write comics. So for anyone who's listening to this who's like, well, how do you write comics? How do you get into comics? I, it's a weird thing. I've, I always wanted to write comic book stories. I had no idea how I was going to do this. Uh, and I'd, I'd even written a movie. I, I wrote a Dolph Lundgren movie <laughs> called The Russian Specialist before I got any comic book work whatsoever. Right? I was a produced screenwriter before I got any comic book work. And I hung around conventions a lot. I met some artists when I was living in New York at the time. Uh, and from them, I met editors. And it was just a war of attrition. You know, it was just about sending pitches in, standing around comic book tables and irritating people, you know, writing work that nobody was going to read, sending that work in, getting told no, sending more work in, getting told no with an exclamation point. And just continuing to just keep moving forward and doing and doing and doing it. Uh, th that's where reading all those Batman comics helped out because you just got to approach things like Bruce Wayne. So what would Bruce do? Bruce would just keep trying to do it. Yeah. Then eventually a guy named Matt Hawkins, uh, who is the president of Top Cow, gave me uh, like a short story in a Witchblade trade paperback. And I wrote that. Ron Mars did all the writing in there except for my story, I think. And that got me published for the first time. And, I, and I'll tell you, like, you know, I I have written, you know, one film that's been produced. I've written uh, three produced episodes of TV. I've sold a bunch of screenplays. But nothing felt the same as walking into a bookstore and seeing a book on a shelf with your name on it. That's, you know, there's just yeah. something unique about that. That's really, really crazy. And then, like, later on, when I started writing Postal, I was writing an animated feature in Thailand called uh, Nine Satra, The Legend of Muay Thai. Oh, and wow. it hasn't come over in the States yet. It's, it's only, I think it only premiered in Thailand. From what I understand, it's doing really well in Thailand, but I can't, uh, I can't speak to the specific performance because mm -hmm. I'm not there to kind of manage it. But when I was out there, I was working on the script with the animators. I, I went to a bookstore, because Thailand is a city that's built with shopping malls everywhere. It's almost like the shopping malls are like a space station. It's so hot in Bangkok <laughs> that the city is really five or six interconnected shopping malls that have tunnels. So it's a very like Gene Roddenberry kind of thing. And you, they, you walk between the shopping malls to get around the city because it's all air conditioned because the city is just too, too bloody hot to do anything. And in one of the, shopping malls there was a bookstore and i went into the bookstore and the postal trade paperback was there and i'm thinking to myself i'm in thailand right now <laughs> and, there's my and, book. <laughs> and there's my book right so it, it it's it's really a remarkable thing but yeah it was really just determination honestly well, and uh just continuing to try to chip out chip away that wall until that wall broke down well, it's interesting because um, how you said it, I'm not going to lie, it, uh, your approach uh, shocked me because I was talking with someone and I said, um, I was talking with someone the other day and I was like, hey, I'm going to have a, a Brian Brian Hill on the, the podcast. Um, I want to ask him how he got into comics and he's, he, my friend was like, don't you have to, he, he's a big dude who does like screenplays and stuff. He just asked and they gave it to him. <laughs> and i and i was like no. i was like you i was like you think so he goes oh dude those big guys they just go in there and they ask and then you're telling me you've been pitching and i'm like yeah no 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 <laughs> i mean i i asked but they didn't just give it to me for sure like that is not how that went down and it's a different medium and it's uh it, look if you're like the most 
one of the most famous screenwriters in the world, maybe that's how it works for you. But if you're just a working screenwriter, while you might be in a very small Venn diagram, you're not enough to get a a company to say, sure, we'll trust this guy with, with the characters he yeah. likes. Because you might not be able to write a comic book. It's not the same kind of work. It's a, it's a different medium. It has different needs and different opportunities. Mm-hmm. So I certainly uh, had to pitch for a long time. You know, I just never put all my eggs in one basket. I, I never went to school to be a writer. I went to school to be a filmmaker. I went to NYU film school. And I was too poor while I was in school to direct any movies. Because this is back when you had to shoot everything on film. It wasn't mm-hmm. like now where you have a 4K camera on your cell phone. And yeah. you can just whip it out and suddenly you're, you know, you're Nicholas Reffin. No. Um, when I was in school, it was $1,000 a minute to shoot a movie, basically. You were shooting 16 millimeter and you needed generators because you couldn't get an exposure at night. You, know, you had all these technical things. And I just did not have the the money to mm-hmm. pay, pay tuition, room and board, eat live and make a film but i could write because writing was free all you needed was a a pad and a a pen basically and uh that's what i did because i knew that it would be really difficult for me to get a script from somebody out of film school Mm -hmm. how do you do that i have no money to option a thing (laughs) certainly no money to buy a thing right so what i did tyler was like all right well if i can write a movie then I can have a script to make. And a lot of my filmmaker idols were writer-directors. Uh, James Cameron, Michael Mann. You know, These were the people that I um, uh, really admired. And they all seemed to be able to generate their own screenplays. So it seemed like something I had to be able to do. And when I wrote some scripts, I tried to produce them as independent films, like get packages and you know get actors on board i had no idea what i was doing tyler this is me, <laughs> like 20 21 years old be like yeah i'm gonna script man i'm gonna i'm gonna go send the letter out and yeah you know i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do the thing you know i had no idea what i was doing so i was just you know shotgunning my work all over the place and uh people would read the script and, and immediately be like well we're not interested in you making it but you're not a bad writer would you be interested in us, you know, optioning it and trying to get it made with a real director or, you know, whatever it was. And that's how I got into screenwriting was uh, attaching myself to make my movies, immediately getting fired off my own movie. And then the script <laughs> would, would, fall, would fly around places uh, and then it would make me a little money on an option and whatever. And then eventually that turned into me getting a hire to write that Dolph Lundgren movie. And that was my first credit. That's aw- that's awesome, and that you know, um, I like how you how you said, uh, you know, just because you're a writer, you've done um, screenplays and they've been produced, it doesn't mean that another company is just gonna um, pick you up and say, oh yeah, we trust you with our character because they don't know if you um, are able to write a comic book. And so that kind of leads me to my next question: When you first hmm. then started getting, when you first started writing in the comic book business, what was the hardest thing? Like, what was the most shocking thing that you thought was maybe going to be easy, but was actually like way harder? Or, uh, well, it's the economy of storytelling that's necessary in comics. So, if you look at it like Russian nesting dolls, right? Mm-hmm. A novel is the biggest doll because you can write it however you want, really. You know, if you read like Frank Herbert's Dune, I think there's a four-page sequence where a drop of sweat is traveling down Paul Atreides' face in the novel. And you can do that because it's a novel. You can make it a 600, 700 page tome. If you want, you can mm-hmm. be Leo Tolstoy. It's, it's totally up to you. 
Um, you could be like one of those old Russian authors like Tolstoy who just wrote to, you know, keep his mind off the fact that he was starving. Um, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but then you get to the screenplay and that's like the next doll, right? So a screenplay is a more economy than a novel, more rigid in its structure. If you're working in a Western storytelling system, then you probably have a three-act structure, or as I like to call it, a five-act Elizabethan structure. I don't really believe in a three-act structure. I think the second act is really two acts. So, uh, you know, you're working in that structure, but you have your certain rules. The first act has to end on page 20 or so. Then midpoint has to hit at page 50 or so. The end of the second act at page 85, and then you go into your climax, and if you have a denouement, it's like a little bit, like a two-page thing at the end. So that's a pretty rigid structure. And I worked in that for a while and started to think in that structure, you know, a, a, as a writer. Because the more you write, the more you start to think in terms of the, the methods you use. Mm -hmm. But when I started writing comics, I was alarmed at how little space I had to tell the story. Like, there's a rule in screenwriting. It's uh, get in as late as possible to a scene and get out as early as possible. Okay. And I thought I was pretty good at it until I started writing comics and realized I got to get in a lot later. <laughs> and I gotta get out a lot earlier, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, twenty-two pages is uh is not a lot to work with. If you get twenty-two, I get twenty for detective. Oh, really? Yeah, and so and you know from working on your own book, Tyler, like if you have a splash page, it's not just that page; it's yeah. the page that leads up to the splash page and the page that that comes down after it. Oh, so yeah. Every splash page is at least three pages of a sequence. Mm -hmm. And if you've got twenty pages and you're taking three pages away for a splash page. And if you're writing Batman, you damn well better have a splash page. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and you better have something building up towards that splash you page. You better have something building up to it. So, you know, you really have to start, like, kind of killing all your darlings and saying, all right, I need to break this down to the most essential qualities. Now, while I was struggling with the economy of screenwriting, I mean, of comic book writing, what I did fall in love with is the way you can layer information to give to an audience in a way you can't really do in a screenplay. Like in a screenplay, if you have voiceover, you probably screwed something up. <laughs> Even if you write a really charismatic voiceover and it's like really over and good fellas and it's, you know, it's delivered with a plum and style and grace, you know, you would, it would probably be a better, executed thing. I mean, Nicholas Pledge is a brilliant writer, so, you know, Goodfellas is a great script, the mm -hmm. exception that proves the rule. But, you know, you look at, like, the original Blade Runner with the voiceover, that's an example of what happens when you fail to deliver information in your scene work. Yes. And then you have this running, this, oh, you're with a Blade Runner uh, ex-killer. I'm a guy that hunts robots, and I might be a robot. I don't know. Like, <laughs> you know, you know what's to... funny is I was watching that with a friend, and I said, "Why?" I, I for the first time, like last year, and I that 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 pop that uh, the voiceover, and I was like, "Wow." that they could they messed up they could have done that in a, such a different way and my friend's like are you kidding me this is this is art i'm like yeah it's a good movie but th they messed up <laughs> like yeah like the director's cut without the voiceover is the preferred like runner viewing experience i'll just say that and you know so so it doesn't it's weird because see the thing with a book when you're reading a book you as the reader can control the speed at which you receive information you can read those panels as quickly or as slowly as you want to. You can analyze and look at their details. In a movie, you don't control the pace. 
the pace happens by virtue of the editor, the filmmaker, right? Mm-hmm. So that's just, it's like a train that's going to move in front of you. So when you're layering voiceover on top of it, a lot of times what's happening is the audience emotionally, subconsciously, is having to choose, am I paying attention to what I'm hearing or am I paying attention to what I'm seeing? Yeah. And the juxtaposition that you can do in a comic, like Frank Miller is great at juxtaposition. You know, he will, uh, uh, you know, have a voiceover that is contrasting with the images that you see, or he'll have a voiceover that is adding experience to the images that you see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, you know, he'll have Batman sidekick someone and say, you know, I kicked him, and the sounds came up all wet. <laughs> And you're like, oh wow! Now I'm hearing it. Now I, you know, I'm getting the whole deal. Mm-hmm. So those techniques uh, are very difficult to use in film uh, effectively, but you can do them in comics. So while I was struggling with the economy, as I started to write more comic book scripts, I started to see the the advantages I had with the form, the the way I could do things that I couldn't do in a movie, you know, visual juxtaposition. You can take a page and split it down the center and then create this mirror image if you want and say something with that, you know? So nine panel grids and the way you can control pace that way and all of that. It's, you know, at first it was, it was difficult, but then I started to see like, Oh, it's okay. Now that I know I have to work this way, I have all these opportunities I can use. And I think it just made me a better storyteller overall. And, like, it's it's definitely some... Um, I mean, when I first started making comic books, like, five years ago, I remember just th- just thinking, oh, this is going to be a piece of cake until you realize, um, I guess, yeah, um, like, the experience of reading a comic book, like you said, like, a splash page isn't just one page. Every other page before that is building up to that splash page, and it's up to you as the writer to figure out how many pages you're losing for this one page. And I know from experience, I've like looked back at old work. I'm like, oh, I, I totally missed an opportunity where um, maybe I should have had the spl- I should have had the splash page on the turn page. So once I on turn, the turn it, page, right? Once I turn, I'm like, oh, there's a splash page, and I've totally um, ruined reveal moments because the, it's right there on the on the right hand of the page. Yeah, I mean, anyone who's creating a comic book, um, you know, is. Uh, like the, I guess the the collaboration, if you're doing it with other people or if you're doing it yourself, y- you know everyone becomes the director, the editor, the actors, all of it, right? Like you are kind of everyone's filling all those positions at one point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's certain things that are kind of easy to do in a movie, relatively easy, you know, like the Alfred speech to Bruce Wayne in The Dark Knight. Right, master white. Some men just want to wash the well. But. <laughs> so that's pretty easy to do. You know, you write the you write the little paragraph. You know, it's Michael Caine. Michael Caine's going to, to do it. He's going to act across from Christian. Essentially, you just keep him in focus, and you probably got something pretty good, mm-hmm. right? But in a comic book, that speech is at least two pages. <laughs> exactly. And you've got to direct every, like, panel. And, and, and like, so when are you going to cut to Bruce? When are you going to cut to Alfred? What's Bruce's expression going to be as he starts to understand what Alfred is saying? What's Alfred's expression going to be? How do you split up that dialogue so that it reads well, but you don't have too many words in a panel? Like, all of those things have to be considered in a holistic way. So I, I tell people that if you can get good, 
at writing a comic book, then you can probably write anything. Oh wow, that's true. I I, I can I can see that it's because de- it's definitely so different than write in any other writing medium. Because like you said, with a graphic novel, you can spend as many pages as you want doing whatever you want. Whatever you want, you can describe describe it however you want. But with a comic book, because you're just so restricted on the pages and the panels. Oh yeah, like when I was working on Evil Dead, you know, there the, was a half hour show and the scripts were around 27 pages because we had to leave some page room for credits and what have you. Uh, and, you know, people were like, oh, you know, 27 pages. You know, I was talking to a couple writers that were like, yeah, it's really hard to get the story in 27 pages. And I'm like, it's really hard for me to fill 27 pages. <laughs> 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 you know, like, from what I've been doing for a while, that's a lot of pages. You know, we, we can really get some things done here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's it was a bit of a trial by fire, but that was probably the hardest.